Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by MUBI, the online streaming cinema. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast for thefilmstage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Michael Snydell. What if I just restarted Cheers? <laughs> what, if, what if you just restarted Cheers? Yeah, watched it the whole thing over again. Like, just put my life on hold and just watch the whole thing over again. As a person like, a good who idea. recently was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to watch all of Cheers. I'm like four <laughs> seasons in and I had to take a break. Not that it's not a fantastic show, but that's a lot of cheers. I, I guess it is. <laughs> like, even Royal Pains is only like 12 to 13 episodes a season, and Cheers is like a solid 24. 20, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, Bill Graham was delayed by weather, and so he will not be joining us today. And so, in his steed, we have Jason Bailey. Hello. Hello. What are your thoughts on Cheers? You know, Cheers. I, I, I'm, I'm probably, I'm, I'm a pretty old dude. I don't know. I, I think I can fairly confidently say I'm the oldest person on your show today. I might be wrong. How old are you? Uh, I'm 43. 43 oh, okay. years. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, I love, I love the immediacy of the. Oh God, yes, yeah, sure. I'm just so excited because uh-huh. I'm 31, about to turn turn 32, and I'm just like everyone on this show is a child, right? <laughs> Guests <Yeah>. included. Yes. <laughs> No, Old Man River is your guest today. And, if I'd uh, known that, that would have been the song choice for the top of the show. And I watched, uh, I would say, at least the back half of Cheers, like, as it aired, like, live on Thursday nights. You know, if, if we weren't home, we taped it on a VHS. Ooh. Uh, and, yeah, and then we walked, you know, through the snow uphill both ways to get home to watch it. Um, so I, I have great affection for Cheers, but, you know, I did. I consumed it at a, you know, maximum one per week uh, uh, intake level. So, uh, I can't speak to the, to the bingeability of, of Sam and the gang. I, you but know, it's a, it's a fine program. It really is. It is like, it, that's the thing though, is like those old shows, it's very clear that like, they would think to themselves, like, what if someone was on vacation last week? <laughs> so the first five minutes of every show is like, if it's serialized in any way is like, Oh, Sam and Diane, they're fighting again. Sure. Oh, what was it this time? <laughs> You know, did he uh, did he mispronounce Marcel Proust and then ha? Ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was clearly the angry bartenderess talking. The uh, waitress whose name I can't remember. Carla. Yeah, Carla. Yeah. Ray Ray Perlman. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, uh, this is a podcast on Cheers. Uh, look for our spinoff podcast on Frasier. <laughs> that was a tough transition. Thank- so thanks for listening to our movie review podcast. <laughs> let's talk about cheers let's not even talk about like one of those streaming shows that's all done by the same writer and director that can kind of scoot in under the radar 
Let's just right. talk about Cheers. Um, the problem is we gave up the game. Like the good gag would have been to just to have just talked about Cheers for an hour and never mentioned anything else, and then signed off and never addressed it. <laughs> just a, an hour and a half to two hours talking about yeah. Cheers. Can we start over? Can we do that? I'm a Sam and Diane guy. I gotta say it, even <laughs> though I haven't gotten to the other woman rebecca how yeah rebecca how you put some respect <laughs> on her name that's right you saw back half cheers so you're all about yeah. rebecca probably I'm, I'm very rebecca uh very rebecca uh uh heavy and also uh, i hail from the same hometown as kirstie alley who played rebecca how although that when she lived there she was not yet a crazy scientologist so well that's uh, good yeah yeah so, so you're like yes. those Baltimore Orioles fans who are like, ah, Babe Ruth, yeah, he used to play for the Orioles. He's from Baltimore. Like, we're going to put his goddamn museum here. There you go. Yeah. All right. This all yeah. makes sense. I did <laughs> you a lot got of his museum? Really? Yeah. I know that <laughs> because I went there for a friend's birthday party once and I was incredibly bored. <laughs> <laughs> Though we did go oh. in a limo, so that was kind of cool. Oh. Very young. Very young man in those times. Um... <laughs> Shout out John Wagner. Don't think you listen to this. We haven't talked in 10 years. Hope you're doing great. Uh, what are we here to talk about? Uh, missing link. We haven't even like proper. Jason, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners so that they know that you're not just a Cheers fan that we picked up. I, I'm I'm sorry. That actually is my sole area of expertise is the television program Cheers. Uh, it's spin off Frasier and it's short lived earlier spin off the Tortellis. So I'm very excited to talk about all three of those programs today. <laughs> so I had to look it up. That was a real thing that you just said. Yes, the yes it was. Yes, it was. I told you I'm ancient. I remember these things. These are the things that have lodged themselves into my brain permanently. Not just another family comedy. Not just another family. No. People starring... like the Tortellis don't fall out of trees every day. What the hell is this poster? <laughs> Here's what I know. It starred uh, Blood Simple and Clueless's Dan Hedaya. That's what you need to know oh, about the Tortelli, okay. my friend. That's that's what you need to know about that show. So um, it was about it was about Carla's ex husband, ex husband, and his his second uh, wife, played by Casey Kasem's wife, Jean. Okay. I don't have any of this on my screen. I want to be very clear. This is all top of the head information about uh, a spinoff of Cheers that ra lasted, what, eight, ten episodes? Tops? Yeah. Can you tell me the city that it took place in? That that I do not have available. <laughs> At the beginning of the series, Loretta leaves Nick and moves to Las Vegas to live with her sensible divorced sister, Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> I see. And then Nick moves to Vegas to reconcile, uh, vowing to change his sleazy, conniving ways. Very good. See, that's a rich premise right there. That's good stuff. You got an arc right off the bat. Right. A Can't... weird Boston Italian guy moves to Vegas. Right. It's like Casino meets the Connors. Anyway, <laughs> uh, we are actually here today to talk about Missing Link, the newest film from right. Leica Studios, uh, written and directed by Chris Butler, uh, starring the voice talents of Hugh Jackman, Zach Galifianakis, uh, a lot of people in this, actually. <laughs> Timothy Olivant, Zoe Saldana, Stephen Fry. And Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson. Uh, before we get into that, let's talk more about Cheers. Um, <laughs> this is a pretty standard beginning, honestly, Jason. This is slightly <laughs> more, but we usually don't you talk follow about Cheers the, every week. It's the different uh, formerly like syndicated television show every week. Yeah. yeah. 
mostly Deadwood lately. So <laughs> you've done Fraser Deadwood Justified. Leftovers, the Americans. Leftovers that happens. All oh, the Americans. Yeah. Um. Oh boy. Also, also, what was that? All right, last one. What was the last one that had Emma Stone? It was that Fox show. Oh, Drive. That we talked. Drive. Are yes, we going to talk about more about Drive? <laughs> Jason, do you remember Drive? I don't remember Drive at all. Drive uh, is a show that I'm pretty sure everyone thinks that I made up. <laughs> But you can find it on IMDb, and it stars Nathan Fillion, Emma Stone, yes. and it's about people who, for various reasons, are, like, taking are, are part driving? in a cross-country race, like an illegal cross-country race. Wait, so this is, like, Cannonball Run, the TV show? Sort of, yeah. Okay. And it has a hint, so it's, like, it's like <laughs> it had a hint of Lost, because, like, everyone had a different reason for being in the race. Oh, God. What a terrible combination of elements. So some Cannonball people were just, Run- like... I want to win this race. And I think Nathan Fillion's thing was, I just want my wife back (laughs) because she was stolen by the people who organized the race. Oh God. I hope there's a vanishing style twist. I'm not, you guys, I'm not kidding. Cannonball run meets Lost sounds like one of the pitches in like the opening sequence of the player. That is such a bad (laughs) idea. There could be a full TV series made about that particular period, the season after Lost aired, where everyone yeah. was like, we need our own Lost. What's our Lost going to be? And one person was like, yeah. oh, flash forward. Everyone sees two minutes into the future. <laughs> Someone else yeah. is like, what if it's a race, but like, you know, Lost. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, great. <laughs> there was I a bank show- robbery. <laughs> does, does anybody remember the season after, like the, the season after Friends premiered? how everybody had like three friends knockoffs. Like there was like, I mean, down to names, there was like buddies and pals. And I mean, it was like, it was such a shameless, like everybody had like a 20 somethings sitting around in a coffee shop show. That, what was that? Was that when the American coupling came out or was that more towards the end of friends's run? The American what? Coupling. Like a remake oh, of coupling? A remake it, of the hit, British television series Coupling. That was a few years later because Coupling itself was kind of a Friends. Like, yeah, but they were on the they were right. on the BBC, so they're like, right. we can exactly. talk about yes. some shit. They had yes. prestige. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <sighs> anyway. Anyway, missing link. <laughs> missing link. We are having so much trouble. We haven't even gotten to like any of um, the front matter. Follow us on Twitter at Film Stage Show. Tweet us your thoughts about Cheers. Find us on Facebook, The Film Stage Show. Email us your favorite episode of Cheers, podcast at thefilmstage.com. And uh, find us on iTunes and give us a comment and rating. Oh, what else? Uh, become Movie. a patron. Yes, there, there needs to be a Rebecca versus Diane poll and a Woody versus Coach poll. And I'm very interested to see how that one Okay, turns see, out. that's the craziest part is that I... I this is, why do we keep doing this? I started the first episode of Cheers and I'm like, where the fuck is Woody? <laughs> also, where the fuck is Fraser? I've only got Fraser thus far, still no Woody. And Woody I'm just like, like this coach guy, why don't we talk about him more? Yeah. He it's weird great. which parts of Cheers became the parts that persisted. Cause like I you hear people talk about, you know, the Sam and Diane thing. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. You hear people talk about Frasier. I think maybe he gets a push because he had his own show. And like Woody is like a big part of it. But like Coach, you know, no one talks about Coach. No, but oh. I thought there was a Coach reboot pilot a few years ago. That was this just is a different coach. It's just a show about a man who <laughs> goes by coach. coach. That was Craig T. Nelson, wasn't it? Yeah. No, yes. I thought there was a reboot with, with Craig T. Nelson. There That's was. not about Coach in Cheers, though. Coach right, in Cheers was fine. a pitching coach. Coach and oh, a coach is a football, I think. <laughs> anyway. Oh, boy. Patreon.com slash the film stage show. Uh, give us your money because you like hearing us talk about cheers. And of course, talking about streaming cheers. Did you know you can stream movies on the internet? And one of the place, best places you to do it. You cannot. What a bunch of horseshit. I'm here to tell you that what? you can. Because what kind movie of sci-fi exists. shit is that? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Every day, movies curators bring you a great film that is not Cheers, but may star someone from Cheers, <laughs> though none of these, I don't think. I, I don't think so. <laughs> Claire Denis Claire, never Claire dipped Denis into the big Cheers. <laughs> never dipped into the Cheers cast. Oh, boy. Anyway, uh, yeah, so movie. What have they got going on? They've got their What is an Auteur series, and as we said, Claire Denis is on there. White, uh, not white material. White material, yes. Yeah, white material. Ambassadors. It's confusing because presently they have their What is an Auteur series as well as their The New Auteurs. <laughs> so white material and bastards from Claire Denis are on there. Um, if you were a fan of The Lure, you'll be happy to know that Fugue is exclusively on Mubi as part of their The New Auteur series. Movie's great. You can watch it on your smart TV, your iPhone if you're a monster, your laptop, all that great stuff. Uh, you can download movies to your phone on the go, and you have 30 days to watch each film. So you have a constantly rotating selection of 30 films to choose from. If you would like 30 days free, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Again, that is mubi.com dot com slash film stage michael you were like all fucking crazed on slack because you were really happy about one of the movies that went up weren't you i was yes i was uh oh bastards yeah bastards is uh i think one of claire denis only noirs i can't remember whether the intruder is a noir from her as well but uh either way it's it stars vincent linden uh kiera mestra ani and two other people who I would have a John, John Ratzenberger, time. John Ratzenberger from <laughs> yeah. Cheers, I believe, co-stars in that. Y- yes, same character. That, that's you know that name's just real hard to pronounce. But yeah, bastards. I've heard great things about, and uh, yeah, I want to see that one. I, I'm trying to watch as much Claire Denis as possible lately before I see High Life. I, I just saw uh, Bo Trevi, so. I've been watching a lot of stuff from her lately. So, all right. It's, well, it's if you nice. have seen or are looking forward to seeing High Life, get your free 30 day trial of movie by going to mubi.com slash film stage and you can see two previous films. All right. So that's it. Now we can get back to talking about Cheers. <laughs> no, no, no. We are a movie podcast. And so we're going to spend the next two hours, frame by frame, going through the 90 <laughs> seconds of Star Wars film that was put out from their oh, teaser God. trailer. Oh. And uh, giving our deep insights into what we think that oh, title could geez. mean. Jeez, oh Brian! <laughs> we open with the Lucasfilm oh, logo. <laughs> it's it's in Chicago too. I I've avoided it all the millennium. It seems like they've been here. So 
Wait, oh, the Star Wars celebration is in Chicago? It is. So are you just inundated with like, what are they, like Regiment 405 or whatever people? Those people who dress up like stormtroopers? Oh, I know, because they thankfully put it at McCormick, I think, which is like kind of, it's not out of the city or anything, but it's out of the way a little bit. So you're not going to obviously see people. You know how when when comedians have a podcast, like good 30 minutes every episode is devoted to like them talking about la you know it's sure. like the hills silver lake blah 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 you, you're you're like that but one man on a movie podcast talking about chicago <laughs> <laughs> i have nothing to add about alderman this episode that that's great uh, i i do want to shout out though a, a a filmmaker actually reached out to me and uh, I still need to look into the film, but I just want to say that in their intro to me, they made an alderman joke. <laughs> so you immediately get my attention when you make jokes about alderman and Chicago. So I just want to say uh, shout out to this filmmaker whose whose name I don't necessarily want to say. Yeah, you don't have to say it. Here. That is a, that but, is a yeah. thing, though. Like, if you're going to pitch to someone, make it personal. So if you're pitching to Michael, bring up alderman. <laughs> He, he's listened to the episode, which is very scary and probably says something about his own film. But, you know. <laughs> All right. No, we are actually. Here. I uh, I wanted to send a shout out to uh, uh, B.B. Newworth from Cheers, who once tweeted at me uh, when I complimented her friend Anne Reinking. That's all. <laughs> Did she, really? Yes. That's awesome. Yes. It was it was actually kind of a highlight uh, as long as we're giving shout outs. All right, shout out to Brian. What, what are your shout outs for? <laughs> I, um, I don't know. Uh, I I don't think like okay. So like my second day on Twitter, um, Sophia Coppola was like, "Hey, I'm gonna answer questions," and I was like, "Hey, like when I saw uh, Marie Antoinette, I noticed that a lot of the pastoral things looked a lot like, you know, Terrence Malick inspired. Is that true? And she's like, oh, yeah, I actually watched like a bunch of Terrence Malick films for when I was filming Nature. And then she followed me. Wow. (laughs) Nice. And then unfollowed you within the week. (laughs) I mean, probably. Yeah. But like, it was nice for the time. She got tired of all the Cheers jokes. (laughs) (laughs) She's not a fan of Cheers. It was really weird. Noted Cheers hater, Sophia Coppola. (laughs) Just putting her on blast, all the cheers heads are gonna go after her. I know. <laughs> that is what they prefer to be called, by the way, cheers heads. Some people call them cheersers, but you can tell those aren't the real fans. Right. A fanboy always knows a hater. And in the case uh... of cheers fanboys, if they call them a cheerser, that's no, it's a cheers head. Yep. A Beantown Cheers head. Uh what was I gonna <laughs> Wait, say? Wait, what? <laughs> Beantown. They're from Boston. Okay. Don't don't insult you an entire state or i don't know bean town sounds inappropriate it's, <laughs> it's, it's like an affectionate nickname for the city all right known affectionate uh nickname yeah all right you I'll wouldn't know it. this if you were a true cheers head <laughs> <laughs> it's like if i called baltimore charm city and you're like come on man that's mean it's like no they call <laughs> themselves that i don't know if it's ironic or not but i thought it's brick city isn't that what baltimore's known as brick city Am I making that up? <laughs> I'm looking it up. That's right. Newark. Oh, that is Newark. Yeah, that's right. Ooh, you just confused <laughs> Baltimore and Newark. That is oh. not wow. great news for either city, in all honesty. Well, well, we need the wireheads are going to be furious. <laughs> God. 
between this, uh, Danielle, with Endgame and Cheers, I'm going to have three different groups wanting to kill me. So this is fun. So a uh, fun fact, they were trying to make a, uh, a spinoff of The Wire that took place in Newark called The String Attached to a Can. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway. <laughs> I love you, New Jersey. Please don't hate me. I'm going to be there next weekend for Easter. <laughs> anyway, we're a good 20 minutes into the episode. Maybe we should talk about Missing Link, the newest film from Leica Studios. Again, written and directed by Chris Butler. This film stars the voice talents of Zach Galifianakis, Hugh Jackman, and Zoe Saldana, among many, many other great people. It is the story of an English adventurer travels to the pacific northwest to find sasquatch the missing link between man and ape and then agrees to help him find a new home here is the trailer i need someone who knows the wild places of the world and you're the world's greatest adventurer What exactly do you ask of me? I'm lonely. I'm the last of my kind. But on the other side of the world, they talk of this creature, the Yeti. I think these Yetis are my cousins. Can you take me there? I give you my word. Okay, what is it? What? Your word. No, it's a figure of speech. Sounds good. What is it? Well, I'm on my way. We have a long way to go. All right. That is the trailer for Missing Link. Newest film again from Leica. Leica, a film studio that is just so near and dear to my heart. Let's see what we all thought of this film. Jason Bailey, I know it's hard uh, not to talk about Cheers, uh, but on a scale of one to Cheers, <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of Missing Link? I think Missing Link is is a solid uh, eighth season of Cheers. Um, uh, I think it's uh I no I actually I I I enjoy Missing Link quite a bit. I think it's a really I think it's a really charming and sweet and um uh, just I don't I I just I I felt warm through the whole thing, which is something I'm not used to frankly in life, much less at, at the movies lately. Especially strange because um, a lot of this movie takes place in snowy climate. <laughs> indeed. Um but I don't know. I I I like the sort of sense of globe trotting to it. Um, I think it the it starts. It, it it took a little while to get going for me, and I think it really does pick up once Susan, Mister Link, shows up, uh, voiced by Zach Galifianakis. I think is one of the great characters of the Leica canon. Um, it just so so well defined and so carefully uh, carefully designed. And just such a charmer, so likable. Um, I don't know. I just, I was really with him. Like from the time he came in, I wanted, I, I felt a lot of empathy for the character. I wanted him to succeed. And so that really gave the picture a lot of momentum for me. I think it's, I thought it was funny and really sweet and charming. And I don't know. I just, I had a really great time with it. All right. Michael Snydell. Yeah. You know, the weird thing about like it to me recently is it, this is going to sound very strange, but I feel like they're almost on a victory lap, despite never having, a, you know, like a smash like a, success. A box like, victory. <laughs> like they're just they're damnably reliable, and and it's it's kind of frustrating to not see that they're getting these huge hits. Like right. you know, I I would love you know Paranorman or uh, uh sorry Paranorman or Coraline or you know later 
films like Kubo. I, I would love if any one of those became a huge hit. And I think, I, I think what's what's a little bit weird about this one to me is that it is always amusing, but rarely felt um, really substantial to me. And and I. I, I do very much agree with Jason. Like, I really do think Link is great. And I laughed at a lot of things that I probably shouldn't have. Like, even, I should say, like, dumb jokes, just because Galifianakis has just the perfect delivery for them. Oh, yeah. Um, And, but I just, I can't help but feel it's just a, a little bit undercooked. And I felt this a little bit with Laika in the sense that I, I just wish that they would, um, you know would uh zig instead of or, or excuse me kind of zag instead of zig in terms of their story beats and like as far as animation like i think up there with g kids and ardman i think like is doing the the absolute most to push the medium forward like mm-hmm. it, it is so incredible from um framed from moment to moment like Jason already mentioned the globe trotting. Just the scale of this thing is is crazy for 93 minutes. <laughs> going around the entire world, going from, you know, um N- Nepal to, you know, like great set pieces on a on a ship and things. Like it, it's just weird because I don't want to be too mean to this thing, but it also kind of disappointed me a little bit. Like it, it's just there's a certain a certain sense that I feel like this kind of drags in the middle a little bit. It's just not quite weird enough. There's a there's a little bit of a sense of it being a little bit more, not necessarily mainstream, but it's just a little bit easier in oh, a way definitely. that in a way and it doesn't bug me, but it's still from someone who, especially coming from the director of Paranorman, yeah. which talking about like a gut punch of an animation film um, of the 2000s. Like, I just wanted a little more from this. But at the same time, I'm also like, no, go see this movie because I really want this studio <laughs> to succeed. No, and I mean, I'm kind of worried. <laughs> no, no, no. I think you really put your finger on it because like I'm when I I should mention, I did a, a, a visit. I went to Portland a couple of weeks ago because they, they, they've been bringing journalists out to do kind of a day at, at Leica where they sort of show you around and have all, you know, different technicians sort of tell you about the work that they do and show you all the sets and the, the, the puppets and all the stuff. Um, but early on, like, you know, we talked to the director and, and producer and they were pretty straightforward about the fact that they were trying to do something here that was a, a touch more accessible than sure. some of the previous work. And I think that shows I, I also and, and and to that end, like, do I love it as much as as Paranorman or Kubo or some of the. No, I don't. But I, I also understand where they're coming from, because they when you look at the box office and how it's sort of steadily, like there's been a steady decline, like each film makes a little less than the sure. previous one, um, which is not the direction you want to be going. No. And, so, and bigger uh, stars as well yeah. in each yeah. one. Yeah, exactly. And so I understand them wanting to make something that's a little lighter, that maybe doesn't have the same sort of sense of melancholy um, sure. as some of the earlier work. Like, I get that. Um, I looked at the box office for this, this you know, sadly, because apparently it didn't work, which is, which is also too bad. Which is cr- I don't want to turn this whole 
episode into me screaming at people about not seeing this movie. <laughs> <laughs> this movie opened beneath like movies like that have that have been out for many, many, many weeks. This movie opened beneath the third week of Dumbo. Who is seeing Dumbo? I thought that I warned everyone not to see Dumbo. <laughs> Why are you still seeing it? What's wrong with you? I, the Boss Baby opened to $50 million, and that is almost 10 times as much as Missing Link. Like, what? Yeah. Who looked at the, the trailers for Boss Baby and 10 times more people said, oh, that looks really good, I'm going to see that, than Missing Link? Like, what is... What's going I don't on know. in the world? Well, I have a theory. Um, a lot of the people who go to the movies are morons. That's my theory. <laughs> and they I saw was... a trailer where there was a baby in a suit, and Alec Baldwin's voice came out, and they were like, oh, shit, opening weekend. I'm fucking there. And um, I got... Because they're, they're morons. So... And <laughs> I think that's what happened there. That's just... I, I It's just a gut feeling. I have a, a two and a half... Well, no, she's more than two and a half now. She's turning three in June your old daughter and like a huge difference two and a half three there <laughs> okay cognitively it, it 100 no. is she was gonna listen to the podcast and be like super pissed off like hey fuck you dad i'm almost three i almost took her to this movie um but the timing worked out so that i had to go to like a seven o'clock showing and that is like right around her bedtime most times um so i didn't but like if i had i i probably would have like tried to record like a reaction with her because she we have watched what is it we watched Coraline together we've watched uh Paranorman together that's terrifying look my daughter my daughter's got to toughen the fuck up all right (laughs) (laughs) with me as a dad she's gotta she's gotta like learn to bounce back from things I've already got her in her like adventurer phase so like We'll be outside running around. She will like fall and roll 15 feet into a hole and then pop up and say, I'm fine. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so I almost brought her to this. It would have been great, but unfortunately I was not able to. Um, but so I put on Boss Baby the other day because it's on Netflix and I didn't want to watch something for like the 40th time. And I was like, this could be good. Like, what if this is a Storks situation where just, like, no one told me how good this is? And the first, like, 20 minutes are sort of fine and inventive, and then the plot kicks in, and I wanted Whoa, to that shoot... that plot, buddy. I wanted to shoot myself in the head. <laughs> yeah. Here's just, the thing. I don't, I don't know if you've read The Boss Baby, the book. I have not. Um, it's charming. It's very charming. It's, I imagine... You know, it's 20 pages. Right, I was about to say. With a, I imagine with the a f- sentence a page. It, that's the part of the movie you liked. And then they were like, oh, shit, we only have a 20-minute movie here. Let's come up with a bunch of nonsense about puppies and baby factories. I don't know. I, yeah, it's 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 garbage. It's yeah. very, very poor. Yes. it's uh, It was a terrible fucking movie. Um, but I'm, you know what? It did really, really well at the box office because of my earlier theory. Because people are morons. They are. That is also Most- why... Why Dumbo is apparently at Dumbo has made eighty nine million dollars. <laughs> oh yeah. Why the fuck did I look at its gross in total? Don't do that. I, I think there is something to be said. I, I, I mean, to be fair to this film, or not to be fair to this film, but you know, I think the trailers and marketing for this was that they were kind of lackluster. Like, I, I, I don't, 
I, I don't know. I, I think there's something about Leica that I can't necessarily put my finger on in the sense that you can't really get that essence across in trailers. I, this there's I actually some... I actually do have a theory on this. <laughs> okay. um, it's a serious act. No, I think that what what I mean, one of the things I think that's so striking about Leica and why we like their movies so much is because it's not just that they're going against the grain in terms of the style of animation or even the sophistication of the storytelling. It's the fact that they're trying to make timeless works that are not um, of the pop culture moment. And mm -hmm. so you can make a trailer for the boss baby that has, you know, the boss baby dancing to whatever fucking song is big <laughs> at that moment you I, can dabbing do, yes that has to yes, have been a thing that actually yes, happened right yes you can have like a trailer where like you know uh the trolls are flossing or whatever and like that people are like oh let's go see that and the kind the the the, the note that these Leica films are 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 playing that the key that they're working in it's is hard to capture in 90 seconds, 30 seconds. What's so special about them. It's hard to find that kind of quick hit hook um, as a sales tool that some of the more successful, but much dumber movies do the, now the difference is that, you know, if you try to watch Shrek now, it's like, it's intolerable. Oh, even as, I was, sure. yeah, I was going to talk even about as, that. <laughs> Even as someone who liked it well enough when it came out, like it's so it's so keyed into the year 2000 when it came out, uh, as opposed to these films that we're going to be able to watch for 20 more years. Right. But it's very hard to, to, to justify a weekend gross like this by playing that kind of a long game. In case anyone is, uh, you know, wondering about this sense of bonhomie that uh, is is kind of going on on this, I want to say that Jason, you have already friended me on Twitter while we're talking, so <laughs> saw that pop up on my phone. Um, yeah. <laughs> the friendship is real, ladies and gentlemen. I had a minute while the play the trailer was playing. I'm like, this guy, this guy seems fun. He likes Cheers. Yeah, I uh, talk about the leftovers a lot. Um, oh. Royal Pains is another one. Uh, what was I going to say? So, yeah. So here's here's the thing. Michael, you talk. Well, first of all, my basic thoughts on this movie. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Because I just <laughs> dipped right into shouting at people, which is definitely a way to grow a podcast audience. It's <laughs> we've done that. <laughs> Get through the 20 minutes of Cheers talk to hear Brian Rowan yeah. scream at you about how you're an idiot. That's my brand. People, people know. Uh, so what was I going to say? Uh, so like I have older family members whom I love dearly, but I only see like once a year and every time I see them, I have a wonderful time. And then as I'm leaving, I think, my God, what if that's the last time I've ever seen them? What if that's the last memory that I'll ever get with them? And like a studios is a lot like that in a movie studio form. Mm-hmm. I, I go, I'm so looking forward to seeing them. And then I'm like, I'll either get to see them in two years, do something else again. Yeah. Or they're going to die. And, uh, but yeah. I'll already have the memories that we've made together. And, um, they've made some great memories. I think that, you know, Paranorman, I just watched the other day with my daughter, a fantastic film. The ending fight with, uh, angry oh. Aggie is just like, a powerhouse that like mm -hmm. still guts me emotionally <laughs> all mm -hmm. the time box trolls 
as well. Oh yeah, the score is that is amazing. It's a, a little fountain esque, which we all know I love. Um, Box Trolls is like charming as shit. You know, Paranorman I feel like is is one that I'd like sit her down and be like, this is some fucking filmmaking. All right, like we gotta, <laughs> you know, put the, you put, put it the, exactly like that too. Right? Hold your apple slices. <laughs> stop pulling the cat's tail. Paranorman is. <laughs> Some but like <laughs> box trolls is more like hey let's sit down and like have a good time and you can jump up and down and scream when the box trolls make their music and like everything that Leica does i i have loved to some degree or another i think this is like mid-tier Leica. i think that the characterizations are clear but like their arcs are a little halted and herky-jerky but like the humor is there the craftsmanship is there and i think that this is some of the best action filmmaking that like they've ever done and that i will probably see all year like stop motion bar fight my friend yeah uh, but how about inception hallway fight on a boat like (laughs) that's like there's so much going on in this movie that is amazing the humor is all over the place in a good way like you've got your your smart stuff you got your body stuff you got your like fart humor and it's just it's all weaved together so well. It's just such like a, it's such a charming, wonderful little movie that like I can pick apart how, like it's hard to track how people feel about Sir Lionel Frost and how he feels about himself and how other people are kind of like looking at him. Mm-hmm. But like, it's it's still, you're still able to track everything that's going on. And the desire to get Mr. Link, Mr. Susan Link back to a home Mm-hmm. is so clear and so immediately emotionally involving especially with Zell- Zach Galifianakis I heard that name and I was like oh man this is not it's gonna be bad isn't it but he's hey. he's really knocking it out of the park in this because he can be yeah. lazy he can yeah but he is great in this movie he yes. brings sure. so much depth to this to this creation the and scene- the scene with the two of them just talking on on the deck of the boat, yeah, um, it's is so touching and so warm, and and not and the vocal performances are terrific, and also the stuff that they're doing with his eyes mm-hmm. in that scene with they're so, sure. I, it's it's some of the best eye work that I've seen in in one of their films in that in that scene in particular when he's just talking so openly about. Um, about his pain and his sadness and his loneliness. It's really touching. And on the aesthetic level that we were talking about that kind of first led me into stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, I have a, a two year and nine and a half month old daughter. <laughs> and so I, I Pre- watch a lot precise. of stuff. Good. I'm trying precise. to be more precise. I really should just put it into my phone <laughs> and just give you like the number of days she's been on the yeah. earth. Um <laughs> What was I going to say? So so we watch a lot of stuff. And so I have like the old hand-drawn Disney stuff. You know, we watch Sleeping Beauty now and then. Uh, Shaun the Sheep movie gets heavy rotation. Mm-hmm. Yep. And a lot of these things, like the hand-drawn stuff, even the lower tier stuff still looks good. You know, <laughs> like Bluth animation is fantastic. You know, we watched, uh, <laughs> you want to talk about a screwed up movie, Michael. Uh, the Secret of Nim. Oh, Oh, that's yeah. dark as shit. Um, yeah. Land Before Time, first time a movie yes. made my daughter cry. Hey, congrats, buddy. Remember that forever. <laughs> um, You're a but monster. Like, so, like, but now, 
So every once in a while, I'm like, I just need to pop on something that like I can be in the room with her and it's not going to make me go crazy like Team Umizumi. And thank God Moana is not on Netflix anymore because I couldn't handle that. Too many times? Hmm? Have you seen it too many times? A little bit. A little bit. I don't think I've still seen. I really like Moana, but same. Same. Still don't think I've seen the whole movie. (laughs) Just because. Because like. (laughs) I'm sitting there watching it with the, like, you know, a, a, how long is that movie been out? Like for, from a one and a half to a two and three quarters year old. So there's always something I have to do that's going to distract me. So like, she'll look at me and say goldfish. And then I'll have to get up and go to the kitchen and get her some goldfish. Or like, I'll have to change her in the middle of it, you know? So like, I don't know that I've seen the movie uninterrupted all the way through. Yeah. But, I don't know if your list. I don't know if your listeners know this, but kids are really fucking demanding. Like you gotta, some, you, you gotta, gotta be stuff. there. You gotta do stuff like all the time. You can't just like not pay attention. I okay. Anyway. And it's not like when my dog scratches at the back door and I'm like, no, I'm laying down. It's you're fucking inside for like 40 minutes because royal pains just started. And I'm very invested in whether Jeremiah is going to make it work with this author he started seeing. Um. Anyway, the the whole point of this that I keep trying to get through is that like I turned on Shrek the other day mm-hmm. and I had to turn it off 10 minutes in because the animation was fucking atrocious. Mm-hmm. And I, my my wife turned on Monster House and I walked in and was like, this looks worse than a cutscene <laughs> from a video game. Their hair wow. doesn't move when they yeah. touch each other. You can sort of like see the clipping errors like their clothes don't rumple. Isn't when they're that a like, pretty gifted animation studio as well? I don't know. Did Monster House? It was... I know Harmon is the big one that people mention in relation to that. Or Dan Harmon is as the writer. But I thought the animation studio for that one is actually... It was, it's, it was it's done in mocap. And it's, it's, just, it's fucking awful. Like, I, could, I was watching it and I'm like, you know what I can't do? I can't keep watching this movie. <laughs> so I left the room uh, to go clean the kitchen just to get away from the movie. Um, but, like, I put on Coraline or even The Nightmare Before Christmas and it still looks exactly yeah. as good as the first time I saw it. Because I think uh. it is moving the medium forward in a way that is, like tactile and real and doesn't depend on you just not knowing that it should be better mm-hmm. um it's sort of like like digital video like that started off really bad like you mm-hmm. can't go back and look at some of the first things shot in that because it's so terrible mm-hmm. but these movies just endure and i will i will never have to turn this on for my daughter as she gets older and be like now, Daddy really liked this. It doesn't look as good as the things you're used to, but like you know, just deal no with qualifiers. it. No qualifiers. Yeah. yeah, like this will be like you turn it on and every piece looks like it belongs together, and it's not going to be a point where like you know two people hug and it just doesn't look like they're even touching each other. You know, like <laughs> yeah. there's more care put into the tactile physical reality in these movies between the characters than there wasn't something like Monster House or Shrek. It's it's incredible. And then again, it's just like delightful and charming and funny as hell. And um, I like I said, I don't think this is the best movie that they've ever made. But like it still deserves to do so much better sure. than it is. And what was weird is that when I went and saw this, now granted, again, it was like 6.30 or 7. But it was like all adults in the theater. Mm-hmm. Well, there were so many kids in my in my theater 
I, and that's when we got some cute reactions actually after that. that's i i'm i'm genuinely curious because i haven't i haven't introduced my daughters to like it just yet um and that's the thing i always wonder like when i enjoy a family movie as much as i enjoy something like this i do sure. always wonder like okay well but are uh, like our little kids bored because i'm enjoying it so much <laughs> like what what was the sort of vibe you because you know when you're in a theater sure. and a family and a family movie's tanking and the kids are just like running all over the place and they're they're bored like what was the vibe in the theater when you saw it when there were kids there no, it was it was definitely. I, I think kids were definitely liking it. There were That's a right. lot of like with the Pratt Falls, like there were kids giggling, you know, like and then you know you just get cute things being, you know, cute reactions where people would be like, "Why do you say something so mean?" Like, like, <laughs> it was, like that dumb like kids say the darnest things type, yeah. type moments. Um, yeah, and and that was good, and especially I have to say, like, just the I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I generally avoid screenings and theaters where there are kids. I, I'm not that much of a terrible person, but yeah, I, I generally do that in part because I've had some bad experiences. You don't, you don't have to make apologies for this. We know kids are awful. That's fine. It's like when I went and saw Shame in the theater, I was like, oh, I got to go to a late screening so that I don't see any fucking kids in this theater. You know, I did think it was weird that someone brought uh, their kid to Climax, but I, uh, they left pretty early on yeah. once they realized it's just dancing. I wish uh, I could remember the like the craziest movie that someone brought a goddamn child to. John Wick 2. That, that oh was God. one for me. Oh. Yeah, uh, definitely, definitely Sicario Day of the Soldado. <laughs> oh my God. Sitting next oh. to a, a, a I, oh. I was going to say Mexican, Hispanic family, uh, though most of the Hispanics in my area are indeed from Mexico. But it was like a mom and a dad and four children <laughs> ranging Whoa. between like 12 and possibly one year old. Oh, um, they, they fucking love that bombing. movie. Oh, Okay. <laughs> That's one way that could have gone. They were super goddamn into it. And I don't, I wanted to ask them like, why yeah. do you like it? Like, what's uh, yeah. what's your, why do you like it so much? But like, I, I felt really uncomfortable doing that. Also, there may have yeah. been a language barrier. Yeah. Oh boy. Anyway, Michael couldn't sit through all of Sicario Day of the Soldado. No, I, I, I walked out about 20 minutes in, but, uh, Oh, the other memory I have of kids is I, I, I feel way worse actually for my girlfriend because she was closer to this. But there was someone in our row who just blew chunks all over the floor about three oh. seats down from my girlfriend. So that <laughs> while watching this movie, no, Finding Dory. That was the recent. <laughs> oh, that's the most uh, that like tainted all kids screenings for yeah. me. At least and that's one where also... children belong, you know. <laughs> understandable yeah this was one of those critic screenings where i I guess i'm getting an inside baseball here but they didn't tell me it was going to be 3d until i got there oh let me tell you there is nothing more evil you can do to someone than say oh enjoy here's 3d glasses i'm really looking forward to seeing a bright movie and not having a headache tonight welcome to the screening (laughs) it is 3d here are your glasses yeah oh man my night's ruined (laughs) such plans i had oh boy i um i do i like i'm i'm kind of i kind of wish that i had like just bit the bullet and gone to see an earlier screening and taken my daughter because i feel like 
you know, it's a kid's movie. There's bound, like, you can bring a child, and if, if she makes noise or something, no one's going to be too fucking angry with you. Sure. Right. Um, especially because, again, this movie is delightful. It's it's a rollicking, rip-snorting, I think is the right term, adventure yarn with uh, really warm characters and uh, a lot of a lot of good moments. And, and the scope, the scope, you were right, is really striking. Like one of the things they mentioned that hadn't occurred to me, uh, but it was accurate. Obviously, it was just that, like you know, the the previous films have all been about sort of like building like one world, like this sort of specific, you know, space that all, that the characters live and breathe and and have mm-hmm. their adventure in. And whereas this one, for the first time, is like it's it's about building like. 20 of those you know as opposed to just one really well-defined one and and that was that is like very striking like how well defined each of these sort of specific environments are well yeah because like what like just going through chronologically Coraline's got her little mansion Mm -hmm. and then you've got um what was the next one it was that Paranorman was Paranorman Paranorman was their second one I was about to say that's such like a great movie that I find it hard to believe it was only a second but yeah Paranorman's got his town Yep. Which is basically like town square, his house, a couple streets in the school. And then Box Trolls. Box Trolls has got Cheese Bridge, which yes. is, again, like streets where the Box Trolls live, Snatcher's Place, and the uh, the house where all the white hats go. And then Kubo's got a little more, but it's got very defined settings. It's And it's only yes. got like five of them, I think. Sure. Right. But this right. one, yeah, they go they go all over the damn place. Yeah. It seems like there's kind of, from what I remember, isn't it mainly kind of one cultural touch point too for Kubo? Because it's mostly like Japanese underworld. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like this is like so many different cultures melding together. Yep. Yep. And I have to say, it is interesting too because I remember, I remember we actually talked about it actually on a, a, the Kubo podcast here is that there was a little bit of backlash about the. Uh, having all of the white actors in Kubo. Mm-hmm. And it does seem like this film, they took that to heart a little bit with mm-hmm. uh, with the Nepal scenes. It seems like they were pretty aware. Uh, and I, I did look that they did actually cast, uh, you know, people of color and non-white actors for those. Well, they're at the end well. of the movie in their special thanks, they said like the, I, I don't, I, I can't remember the exact name, but it was something like the Nepal society of Portland. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. I stayed through the whole credits because I was like, these people goddamn earned it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Wait, Jason, this reminds me. So I was reading your piece and you already mentioned it. I I think it's it's great. I I had a question, though. The director of rapid prototyping. (laughs) Did you ask this person, like, what exactly is is their job kind of what it says on the tin? What makes your prototype so rapid? (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, they, the, the, we talked to, yeah, they brought out like eight different, very specific kind of technicians for us. And like, and I didn't even really fully understand exactly what everyone's job was. Um, But, you know, like, but it's, it's very like, there is a department for, for like every single point along the way, you know, Um, and, and a shop full of people doing each of those jobs and, you know, at, at peak something like 90 different scenes being shot at the same time like it's kind of insane it's crazy um and you know in each and part of the reason you know that that i think they they're they they've stayed out in portland is because they they were able to actually like 
real estate is cheap enough to build a studio big enough to have that much happening at once because you have to have that much happening at once when you're working at this kind of a pace. It's like um, four seconds in a week. Is, yes. Isn't that the or four point yeah, five seconds? I believe that's the target. The, yes. Yes. They don't always hit that. That's 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 an average. <laughs> oh, that's an average target that they're <laughs> that they're looking for. I think um, one of the things they also said was that like an animator is basically in charge of each scene. So like the director is overseeing it all, but like you own like a certain amount yep. of time. Yeah. And one of the things that, that, that sort of, I think helps with that too, is that, you know, Chris Butler is not just the writer director. He also did the original character designs. Um, so he was, he was sort of setting the visual template in addition to what was on the page, um, which I think makes makes a big difference in terms of like the main thing I would worry about about having ninety scenes being shot at the same time is just like that there's any sort of uniformity yeah. of of look and style and so and there's a house style to begin with obviously but that I think makes sort of a huge difference that he's that he is on the page both in terms of design and in terms of script. It's um, it's. I'm just going to take this moment to slam Dumbo director Tim Burton. Because um, <laughs> it's like people it. are always like, oh, Tim Burton, I love Nightmare Before Christmas. And then I get to swing in on a vine. Oh, yeah. And scream, he didn't direct that movie. <laughs> I am um, through the wall like the Kool-Aid, man. <laughs> yeah. So one of my one of my favorite, this is like the perfect summation of who I was like my last year in college or like right after it is that I was in a bar. Oh, boy. I was in a bar and it was around always good stories. It was around Halloween or I think like the release of like one of Tim Burton's stop motion films. When did Frank and Weenie come out? Oh wow. <laughs> no one just has that ready to go off the top of their head. That was 2012, so that would have been a couple years after I got out of college. But anyway, someone was like, "Oh, Tim Burton, like yeah, he's been down, but like it's stop motion. Like I really loved Nightmare Before Christmas." And I was just like, "What does that have to do with anything?" And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, he didn't write the script. He didn't direct it. That's Henry Selick, right? Yeah. And so they would they would be like, I guess he did. It's Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. And I'd be like, I'll bet you a drink that he didn't direct it. I'll bet you another drink that he doesn't even have the screenplay credit. And they're like, okay, great. I'm going to get two drinks off this guy. Needless to say, I blacked out that night because I did that like to four different people who I overheard talking about it. Quite the hot topic, apparently. Yeah, where are you going that people are talking about Frankenweenie this much? I, this I, is I, like this is like the movie version of like Jacob Wall and his hipster hipster coffee shops. But that was the funny thing is like uh, there was a point like I, the first time I did it to prove that I knew more than everyone, but then the next time I was like I just want to get drunk and I don't want to pay for it. <laughs> like I was no longer attempting to prove something; I just wanted to get blitzed. Um. By the end of the night, you're like wandering from table to table. Like, what do you think of Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas? Hey, settle a bet for me that you're going to make with me. <laughs> you want to make a bet and then we can settle it? I bet you a whiskey that, uh, that, that Tim Burton's a piece of shit. <laughs> anyway. Here's a fun. I'm sorry. I this is a, just a, a momentary sidebar. Um, please name all of the good films that Tim Burton has directed. <clears throat> you go first. Oh, yes. I'm done. <laughs> wow. Well, nothing. Not okay. Good. I'll say. Uh, 
B, uh, B, no, I can't even. I just don't think he's done anything good. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> for, for the first time, I'm the generous one in a Tim Burton conversation. That's fascinating. Okay. I like both of his Batman films as oddities more than really thinking <laughs> they're great films. I think Ed Wood is very good. Yes. I got, I see, I say, I always say three. I say Ed Wood, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, and Edward Scissorhands. Oh, okay, wait. Um, I lied. There is one. I will, I will step up for Sleepy Hollow. What? what? Wow. Really? That's now, the one? I'm going to, I'm going to put some caveats. I don't think I've seen this movie okay. in 15 years. Yeah, I can tell. It's a cool idea. <laughs> um, I, wow. Maybe I'm just rating it too high because uh, Girl Crush Christina Ricci and Man Crush Casper Van Dien are in it. <laughs> wow. wow. I don't know. Actually, okay. now that I think, I mean, I this is the problem is like, I almost said Beetlejuice, but I was then like, like you know, I just like, like Michael Keaton, <laughs> you know, yeah. like. And no, then I, I was going to say uh, Big Fish, but I'm like, you know, I no, think I like the nope. idea of that so nope. much more than, and now, yeah. e- even as I'm looking at Sleepy Hollow, I'm like, maybe I just like Christopher Walken murdering people. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? There are plenty of other movies to get you that. King of New York, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, no, so, I've always, I've always said that the three, the three good Tim Burton films are Pee Wee's Big Adventure, Edward Scissorhands, and Ed Wood, and two of them are good because of other people. Um, I've never seen Ed Wood, so that could also like oh, lay into it. Ed Wood is great, but Ed Wood's great because of the guys who wrote it. Oh, um, well, there you go. The, yeah. You know, the guys who did, you know, Man on the Moon and uh, People versus OJ and so forth. It's like they're, they're terrific screenwriters. That's a great script that he found the right way to shoot, like credit where due. But that's it's it's yeah okay all right. Well, that's what would you people have done if I had said Dark Shadows? Like, would you have burned down the internet to come and get me? Damn, that's bleak. I I didn't I didn't want to waste my time on Dark Shadows, even knowing Eva Green is in it, and I've watched a lot of bad Eva Green movies. I went and saw that at like the the cusp of my my beginning to like write seriously about film and so like every week i was like i gotta pick a i gotta pick a new release and go see it you know and so i saw a shit ton of movies i went through my archives once and i was like oh i I think it was like killer elite oh wow and i i I saw a review for that that was on my site and i was like oh that must have been like one of the guys who i would like post their stuff every now and then that they saw it you know and then i opened that one i opened the review and it was me i had written a review of killer elite a movie that if you had like sworn me in i would swear that i had never seen it is jason statham clive owen and robert de niro wow (laughs) hand to god i have no memory of seeing that movie not a highlight of any of those three filmographies no and I have seen movies that are terrible that I fully remember. I could tell you beat for beat almost everything that happens in 88 minutes, you know? Oh, oh. And I've seen that like once. Let's but that's stuck in my brain. <laughs> anyway, uh, so that's all to say Tim Burton is a terrible director. His stop, His one good stop motion film is not even his own. And Chris Butler is uh, is amazing. I want to get into spoilers, but I do want to mention the one word we haven't mentioned yet, which is Susan. Pixar. Oh, Pixar. 
No, I, I, I don't know. I, I just find it interesting that in all of our talk about craft and in all of our talk about even, you know, uh, crediting, you know, we were crediting Butler, right? You know, with Missing Link as well as Paranorman. We've talked about Henry Selick. We've talked about, you know, Travis Knight, you know, who's now off doing his own thing with Transformers. But, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, I do think it's interesting nonetheless that Pixar hasn't come up here as, you know, uh, a parallel contemporary who's doing things on that on that same level or doing things that deserves this much, you know, the adoration that we're, that we're putting onto like a Well, I don't think anyone goes out into the street to try to convince people how good Evander Holyfield (laughs) is, you know, because that guy keeps fucking making money. He keeps going out there, knocking other guys down and getting his cash. Like, well, so does Travis Knight for (laughs) (laughs) Travis Knight is notorious for going out, punching people and taking their money. It's a weird thing, right? That that's the thing that, like, his dad owns Nike. Like, why yeah. is he punched people and taking their money? He doesn't need to. It's, it's, it's an affluenza, you know? He's bored. It's he's rich. Super weird, yeah. He's like the killers in uh, Murder by Numbers. <laughs> <laughs> what? Another, another movie that I have seen and can recall completely, but do not remember a single instant of Killer Elite. Did you write about it on your site? No, because I saw it when I was like in high school. God <laughs> damn it. You are children. Murder by Numbers came out in 2002. So I would have been like a freshman or sophomore. Um, but I remember this moment where R- Ryan Gosling is like in his car trying to convince some girl that like he was mean to earlier that she could like come and take a ride with him. And he's doing like this weird dance and like smoking a cigarette. And it's the weirdest that movie fucking rules. I'm going to see if I can stream that tonight. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Brian, Criterion Channel. What's Sandy Criterion Bullock. Channel? <laughs> Does the Criterion Channel have murder by numbers? Not yet, but I mean, it fucking ought to. It's going to get the in there. The campaign begins now. The Look, rehabilitation campaign begins here. If The Rock and Armageddon are Criterion movies. <laughs> Oh, the reason we're not talking about Pixar in these terms, aside from the whole, you know, they're still making huge amounts of money, et cetera, et cetera, is that, I mean, for my money, like the run of, you know, Pixar from like the beginning until 2010 is like unparalleled, like, you know, just an incredible series of wins and then quadrant wins (laughs) yes and then like the 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 descent was so quick and so steep and you know there have been some good films since but there was there used to be such a sense of if it was pixar it was great and like that that is not the case now and And that that still is because for pixar it was toy story great bugs life great it's also seen that animation's a little less than you'd expect but it's still good toy story 2 the movie that no one thought would be good great monsters inc haven't seen it heard good things finding nemo you know monster success doesn't even have to be good but it is the incredibles uh one of the top pixar movies of all time cars cars not good cars uh Grim portents of what's to come to be I found remember in cars. seeing Cars and being like, that is a fine movie that is not a fine Pixar movie. But mm. like, if Illumination or Blue Sky put out Cars, oh, I would be like, the, bold yeah. creative step forward. For- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
for the fucking uh, minions people. Um, yeah. Ratatouille, however, comes out after Cars, and then Wally, yeah. and then oh, let's forget that the, that that three movie run. Those three years, each summer, bang, bang, bang of those three. I was like, these people can do no wrong. Like right. I remember yeah. be sort of waiting eagerly each summer for the next one and just and toy story three frankly uh same thing well that was the thing i remember i remember like sort of like as what 95 i was i was like in elementary school so toy story was just toy story and bug's Ah, life was just a bug's life (laughs) you know like these were movies that i saw and they were great yeah and then toy story 2 i was like oh that was really good for like a sequel which in my head i had like Land Before Time is a classic. All following Land Before Times are a steep drop in quality. So sequels <laughs> in my head 10. were like, no, thank you. Um, Monsters Inc. was two thousand and one. Uh, clearly, I, as a as a like freshman in uh, high school, I was still reeling from the events of September eleventh and didn't go and see it. Finding Nemo, I think I went and took my younger brother to. And so I was like, this is a child's film and I'm taking my brother who is a child. But I remember seeing the trailer for The Incredibles and going, back. <laughs> well, that's, I have grown to in my appreciation of Finding Nemo. But like, I think I was just in that like shitty teenage stage. But okay. then The Incredibles, I was like, oh, fuck, this is awesome. Yep. And then Cars, I was like, eh, all right, whatever. So like, I, I thought Pixar was something. But then Ratatouille comes out and makes me cry in a theater in 2007. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then Wally. Yep. Same freaking deal. Up again, bald like a child in the theater. Toy yep. Story 3. Cried like a baby oh. in the theater. Yeah. It sounds like you just need to cry, Brian. Like it, there's a pattern. Why do you think I'm rewatching <laughs> The Leftovers? <laughs> Nothing wrong with a good cry, my friend. No. I like watched uh I watched uh, Lori try to reach the Zippo lighter that she had thrown into the sewer grate and I bawled like a baby. Do I need to go back to the show? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Have you not? Did you not? No, I gave up. Oh, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> so you never wow. got to see Nora talk to Holy Wayne and he no, like eviscerates no. her? I gave up like three, four episodes in. Anyway, I've cried three times today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one time was because I stubbed a toe. The other two were the leftovers. Anyway, so yeah, Pixar used to be like knockdown, drag out, fantastic. Sure. I think that yeah. Coco and Incredibles 2... R8. I think Braid's pretty interesting. I've, I've rewatched it. I do not. I, again, appreciate I, what Brave is trying to do, and the technology behind it is clearly incredible, but I think that it you can't grade on amb- ambition alone. No. And it's very telling that they hid the whole mom turns into a bear angle in every ad, every iteration of that ad campaign. Which is crazy because that's like the best idea that movie fucking has. That's half of the movie. It's so weird. Anyway. Anyway, um, (laughs) Inside Out I thought was really good. Inside Out is terrific. Like that's what I'm saying. Like you can't write them off entirely because they will pop with a good one every once in a while. Inside Out is great and Coco's great and uh, there are things I like in Finding Dory and Incredibles too. But but Brave, uh, Good Dinosaur is just hot garbage. Man, Good Um, Dinosaur, again, I feel like... That LSD scene? What the fuck? I fucking love that that scene. But here's the thing. I love that scene as a scene. I don't know what it's doing in that movie. But also, like, I find I find a lot of like sweetness and light in the good dinosaur, and I enjoy aspects of it. But I think it's because I can always feel the better movie that's bubbling under the surface. 
Doesn't that it never quite get to. Because of that one scene with the stick. Oh, God damn it, Michael. <laughs> I can't cry four times in one day. I should also say, however, that like my crying isn't like sobbing. It's like three manly tears, and then I stand up and go get some water. Good luck. <laughs> anyway. Good dramatic, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, exactly the kind of crying that you'd expect at like the end of a movie where it's like, you know, he just never cried. But then like you see the cowboy looking into the sunset. And he's uh, crying because his mom died. I still nonetheless feel and maybe this is just my my own feeling, but I feel like Leica is so much more personal to me, to me specifically. Like there's something about the way that these films specifically are made that it feels even more like a keepsake than something like Pixar. And I don't know whether that is because they are, you know, the underdog to an extent or whether it's that tactility we're talking about. But I, I, you know, if we're talking about unparalleled, runs i mean maybe leica isn't necessarily quite as strong i i personally don't love box trolls i, I what is wrong I with you where don't know where i'm at here <laughs> um but i do think that they're I, I don't know the more this is one of the only studios where i feel that like deep protective quality for mm-hmm. and i just i just find that fascinating and that's i guess especially why i wanted to mention Pixar again Pixar needs no defense we could all we could say all of Pixar is shit and it wouldn't you know it, right, it doesn't wouldn't mean anything <laughs> which is why I was saying like no one's like wandering around being like guys I just, the, the Beatles like why is no one talking about the Beatles like you know instead you get someone who's like there's this guy who plays in the metro super fucking good I bought his CD we should listen to it that's Leica Leica's the dude on the the fiddle in the metro station yeah yeah and not just because like both of them have like threadbare clothing on (laughs) um i would say though that like you know five movie runs like like is better than cars Two, brave monsters university inside out and the good dinosaur like that's a that's a five movie run that's not great yep yeah i mean it's jason i'm kind of curious sure i i so you've talked a little bit about your experience at the Leica Studios. I, did you, or, or how is are they doing okay? Films changed, <laughs> <laughs> or are they doing? That's not what I meant. But I hope <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> but I'm just curious how your experience of watching specifically Leica films has changed after seeing some of the mechanics, you know, behind the scenes where you, you know, you always get a glimpse of it in some of these other films, but especially being there. I mean, I, you've got such a different experience. Did they let you hold the puppets? They don't. Or the Uh, marquettes? But they they let you kind of touch. I mean, you can, you know, it's a hard rubber material. Like they're not, they're not delicate. You can, you know, they, they let us sort of, yeah, they let us, you know, touch a little, little touch. Um, no, I'm, I haven't had that experience actually that you're talking about because I have, I, I saw missing link. And then a few days later I went to the studio. I was just there a couple of weeks ago. So I haven't had a chance to like revisit anything since I've gone, but I do. And like, once you've really seen it broken down, like piece by piece by piece, like it goes here and it's starting, we build the thing and then we build, you know, 90 different faces for everybody <laughs> with like a different version of an expression. And then, you know, and then it comes out on a 3d printer and we peel it away carefully. You know, I mean, it's so meticulous. 
Um, and then, you know, like the fact that they're like literally shooting each frame twice, like, you know, cause it's 3d on sure. like a, a raw on a Canon camera and then like shooting that into a computer. Like, it's just so, uh, it's so precise and so laborious. And, you know, I would, I, I would imagine I will appreciate it more. Did, I um, hope- oh, sorry, did anyone see this in 3d? No. So that's all I got. Um, I did. Oh wait, think... you you dropped out for a second. Can you say it again? I just, no. I the the press screening I went to thankfully was was not in uh, was a two D screening. Thank goodness. But <laughs> I don't know. I I I got a sense while I, to answer the the joke question. I I mean I did get a sense when I was there, like this. Uh, they know that they the leash is only so long here um mm. and i mean the you know when we were doing that little you know chat with the the producer and and director uh, ahead of time um you know they said like and jokingly but you know kidding on the square we're like and you know encourage your readers to go see it opening weekend ha 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 you know what i mean like it <sighs> the, the they 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 have to get a uh, they they certainly can't keep going down in terms of how much sure. money they're making um and i don't get a sense of what the what the budgets are and like i said they're working somewhere where they uh where costs are lower and cost of living is lower but you know at minimum they've got 200 people um on staff at that studio like yeah that's one of the things that I think is sort of great about it is it's kind of like, you know, working for MGM in the forties. Like if you work for Leica, you know, you live in Portland and that's like your job that you go to every day. And it's not like the movie ends and then you got to go find another movie to work. Yeah. That must be so um, cool. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, the, the, the box office, like I said, has gone down a little bit on each one. It's certainly gone in that same direction. They, they had sort of the, the strength of uh, focus uh, as the distributor on the first few films. And this one was, was Annapurna, um, which is who, as we all know, are, are, have been having problems of their own. I don't, I'm, I'm the thing you said about wondering if you're going to see the relatives again, like that's real. Like I, this, these were not, this is not the opening weekend they were hoping for. Well, there was, Uh, there was a scare after Kubo, when it was announced mm-hmm. that Knight would be doing Bumblebee. Yeah. Right. Because everyone was like, oh shit, the guy who's like largesse or his father's largesse is like keeping Leica alive is like going to make a Bumblebee. Right. You know? And, but like then we heard about Missing Link and we were all like, yay, it's happening again. Yeah. It's just, it's weird to me that they keep going down. Like that's, that doesn't. It's super weird. Yeah. It shouldn't be that way. Yeah. You know? Like, I mean, all I can say, I mean, and this is all, you know, boilerplate bullshit media theory, but like, you know, the the thing, the the easiest argument to make is that like, well, you know, in those years there have been, you know, there have been new stu- family entertainment studios. There have been exponentially more family entertainment options, like, you know, in, as in the general marketplace, like there's just there's more stuff to watch and there's more stuff to watch at home and there you know and that's at least a possible explanation but it's mm-hmm. it i i don't understand how you see 
a movie, you know, the, the advertisement for a movie like this, you know, like, no, let's, let's take the kids to see that instead of let's take the kids to see this Dumbo movie that everybody hates. Like I, I, you're right. I don't understand that. That part doesn't scan. Like people are constantly like, Oh, like Disney pays critics to like tank. (laughs) <laughs> like but like if you ever look at rotten tomatoes scores versus movies that make a shit ton of money very little correlation a lot of times <laughs> you know it's uh and that's the sad truth of the world but yeah it's so to me it's like you know i see a movie and the second the goddamn minions come on to do like illumination i'm like yeah. oh this is gonna be fucking intolerable yeah. Um, but like, you know, my daughter will half pay attention to it enough that I can fold the laundry. So like, part of me wonders, like, do people just hate their children that much? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, is it one of those things where like, if I take my fucking kids to see this, I'm going to have to listen to those stupid minions say banana, but this stupid piece of shit that like, you know, we, we brought into this world will shut up for an hour. Like, that seems like the answer uh, wow. to me, and it depresses the shit out of me. <laughs> I mean, it's bleak. It should. That's the correct way to feel about feeling that. Yeah, because like, just like, like trolls. Like, I was like, I'm not gonna oh, subject God. my daughter to trolls. Oh, God. Right? But then, like, trolls I go the one and only time that I made the mistake of putting a movie on for my daughter that I hadn't watched first to make sure it wasn't terrible. (laughs) And like, that's what I get. That's my punishment for not checking first was the two months that that fucking bullshit was in solid rotation. Holy (laughs) God. Maybe the worst family film ever. Like, it's a bold statement, but uh, and and a statement that's rooted very much in the the, the duration of that rotation, but still, uh, yeah, that's a movie for people who hate their children. I'm with you on that. Well, that's... I am kicking the can that is me having children way down the road. <laughs> so here's the thing: you can be like me, and you can like have a child that you then like or like. No, I'm going to show her movies that I like, and even if it's the type of thing where like I have to then pay a little more attention and like chill out with her. Yeah, yeah. I, like I'm gonna do it. Like I'm not gonna do the stupid thing where it's just like, well, all the kids are screaming about trolls, and so I'm gonna put trolls on, and like that's I'm just gonna have to live with this choice for the rest of my life, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. And I feel like that's what a lot of people do. They're just like, you know, obviously it's shit, but like it makes her shut up. Like I don't like what am I gonna do? And it's just like I don't know. Be better. Be more informed. Yeah. Do do something. Yeah. Oh my god. Um anyway, my daughter is two years, nine months, and seventeen days old. I found out. Congratulations. Yeah. Um or if I want to be one of those people, I could say, Oh, she's thirty-three months. Oh. Don't be one of those people. <laughs> how old are uh, how old are, wait, how old are your children? Uh I have one daughter who is two and a half. And You're I have one that. Yeah, no, I you got so precise like you made me i have a sort of a there's a part of my brain where i just automatically answer and i'm like wait let me double check my math here it's uh carry the this and and then um my uh and then my older daughter is uh, about five and three quarters uh we would say she she turned six in august so gotcha Yeah. yeah they're good they're good kids and we mostly manage to watch good stuff but you know occasionally their babysitters will just turn on that home screen on netflix and oh. now we're watching super monsters whatever the fuck that is is that the one where 
There was a, there was so like you know we watch stuff on Netflix because it's free and it it plays yeah. and my daughter likes some of it and some of it's good but like there not was not a, a lot of it there was a trailer that played that was like a girl who moved into a house that had like living gnomes in it like lawn gnomes but it wasn't Sherlock gnomes because apparently the house used to belong to Frankenstein the fuck okay no it's not that this is like this is like uh uh like a boarding school for frankenstein and dracula and for all the it's it's a very it's a monster heavy platform it is again it's the uh the they they look at the algorithm Mm -hmm. and um sweet sweet ip baby (laughs) oh god um so do we want to you know just uh oh it's called gnome alone (laughs) Wow. Gnome alone. Anyway. Oh, I get it. Like, home alone. When Chloe discovers that her new home's garden gnomes are not what they seem, she must decide between the pursuit of a desired high school life and taking up the fight against the trogs. What? The trogs are the creatures from The Descent, so actually, I'm more interested now. Isn't the trogs a garage rock band, too? Yes. (laughs) The trogs is also what they call the things from um, the Bone Tomahawk. God, I right. hope it's the latter. This movie fucking rules <laughs> if it's what I think it is. She's, Do we want to just stand there cutting people in half? <laughs> she's got the little bone whistle from the throat, and she's like, <laughs> and then her and the garden gnomes just dicing a motherfucker. Um, what was I gonna say? Do we want to? Do we before we move into spoilers? Because Michael said he wanted to go into spoilers. Um, do no, we want to just... do like a a, a like a listing? Like a listing, you like, a, like, a, like your 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 ranking, your, your oh, top. Right. I was gonna say top five, but they only have five. Everyone has to rank everything, so yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we could just do top threes. I just think it's a. Uh, we've been talking about Leica. We like Leica. Okay, okay, I'll go. I'll I was go. about to say. I just am looking for someone to say yes yeah, to the idea, and no, then I can yeah, go if sir, no one's ready. Yes, yes, yes. No, I'll go. Uh, All right. Uh, Paranorman number one. Yep. Uh, number two, Coraline. Okay. Uh, number three, Missing Link. Number four, Kubo, and then Box Trolls is an NA. Haven't seen it. Oh, you haven't seen Box Trolls? I did not get around to it. Uh, see, there you go. That's that's the one I'll watch with my now keen eye of of how the shit works. Nice, Michael Snydell. Are you ready, or should I go? Yeah, sure. Uh, so which I, one? <laughs> it's it's Coraline, Paranorman. Um, sorry, Coraline, Paranorman, uh, Kubo, Missing Link, Box Trolls. So mine is a uh, Paranorman, Box Trolls, Missing Link, Coraline, and Kubo. And I I love I love all of them. Yeah, same same. Except so the like, one I haven't seen. <laughs> I'm not like oh, and fucking Kubo. <laughs> <laughs> right. Is is Corpse Bride no. associated with them? No, because I'm just looking on accolades and I'm just looking on the wiki and Corpse Bride is in the Academy Awards accolades. So I wondered if... All right, fine, Brad. I don't Jeez. think it is. I like don't remember it's, seeing... Oh, contract work. Okay. Yeah, there you go. There yeah. we go. All right. Yeah. Uh, along with the very Harold and Kumar 3D Christmas stop, <laughs> stop motion scene. Even and King of California, better. I forgot about the, the Michael. Oh my God, I Michael, forgot about Michael movie. Douglas. Yes, uh, Ev- Evan Rachel Wood is. is yes. he, wears, oh, he wears sunglasses wow. in that, doesn't he? Is that... He sure does. It's that's <laughs> yeah. a character trait. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, to search for gold, right? Yeah, okay, sorry. This goddamn poster is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> it's it really there's a real piss element to it, if memory serves. <laughs> it looks like piss Christ, it does. Yes. <laughs> His hair is even up like it's floating. Anyway, uh so yeah. spoilers for missing link. What a what a what an episode this has been. <laughs> I'd like to say that Missing a Link is not like Piss Christ. I'd like Correct. everyone to know. Obvious mistake to make. Yeah. You're, oh man, I was gonna go see Missing Link, but instead I went to MoMA and saw Piss Christ. <laughs> I don't know where Piss Christ is currently being featured. I don't either. I don't Does either. Piss Christ offend you, Brian? Only because... Okay, so like when I heard about it, it doesn't seem sanitary. When I heard about it, I was like, that's fucked up. Like, why would you do that? But then I was like, maybe there's something to the idea of going and standing in front of this jar of piss that has a crucifix sunk in it. And then someone was like, oh, it's a photograph. And I was like, it's a fucking photograph. <laughs> so you're not, it's not even like an installation where you like, it's someone did it and then took a picture of it. That offended me. That seemed insane to me. Like, I, because there was a part of me that was like, as a Christian, I wonder, like, what it would be like to go and see an icon of my religion immersed in piss. And be like, would I still feel something towards it? Like, would the light of Jesus shine through bright enough for me to see? And then someone's like, oh, no, he did it. But then he took a photo of it. And the photo is the thing. And also, it's apparently very small. And I was like, that's the stupidest motherfucking thing. <laughs> So then my, my anger turned to <laughs> modern art more than, like, sacrilege. Right. Yeah. I mean, if, if if Mama really wanted to showcase modern art, just be like, six rooms, I'll show an episode's cheers. That's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, my, my modern art would be me sitting and watching cheers. <laughs> I would call it cheers to the American middle class. There you go. Wow. Oof. All right. Uh, uh, are yeah. we spoilers yet? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm realizing, guys, what is even spoilers for this movie? I don't There's know. You're the one who like... asked for this in particular. No, no, no. I, like, I was just wondering if we wanted to say anything about it because I realized we we're very far into this and had talked a, a very, very minimal amount about the actual movie, which is totally fine. But I just I'm just trying to keep us, you know, on on rails for some reason. Um. Yeah, yeah, I got news for you, buddy. That, 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 that ship has sailed, my friend, if I may mix my my You're modes of transportation metaphors. <laughs> that ship has sailed, uh, and that is why we are not on rails. Um, I don't know. I think uh, I, I kind of loved the, uh, the Yeti civilization when they get to it, how it is just as insular as the British civilization and you realize that like these two people who are looking to fit into pre-existing civilizations must instead create their own misfit civilization in order to feel together. And that family comes from the yeah. people around you and not from the society into which you were thrust. Wow. It's very fast and furious in that way, isn't it? It is. I mean, it, at its heart, it, they're both about family. Indeed. 
All Indeed. nine. Of I hadn't those heard. Movies. I hadn't heard that about the Fast and Furious movies. That's an it's interesting. It's a real text. subtextual thing. In interesting. Those movies. <laughs> it would be bananas if, for instance, they all stood around drinking Coronas and talking about how important family was. <laughs> Did you not see the post-credit that, sequence? <laughs> that would be laughably on the nose. No one would do that in a major motion picture. Or like, uh, if there was literally a line in one of those movies that says, uh, "You don't turn your back on family, even when <laughs> they do." Oh, no one would do that. That's silly. Best line um, in any movie ever, though, is that's the thing about a street fight. The street always wins. <laughs> Which I think oh, he God. is saying because a an elevated parking lot is cr- crumbling. <laughs> Jason, Not... are you making a joke about the, the Vice mid-credits sequence? I am not. Because <laughs> we've talked ad nauseum about that. <laughs> I think no, you want to know you, here's here's a slight embarrassment as a, a motion picture film critic for whatever reason I had somewhere I really had to be uh, when my screening of vice was over and it started very late. And so I booked like as soon as the credits started, the actual credits, not the joke credits, like 30 minutes into the movie. But like when the credits, like I, I bolted and had to hear about the mid credit scene from like, uh, uh, thank, you know, I thankfully I didn't like do full review of it or anything where sure. that like informed the, but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but uh, to, to the, to the point, no, I was joking because I'm not. Uh, I, seemingly alone in this world, not a fan of the Fast slash Furious franchise. Oh, I, any of them? Any of the? No, not a not a single <laughs> fucking one of them. I'm good uh, from like five to seven. See, here's the thing: I watched the first couple, and they were garbage. And then I was like, I don't need to watch any more of these. These are garbage. And then people were like, No, they get good on five. <laughs> so I watched five, and it also sucked and six and it was garbage too and then i was like no i'm really this is just not for me which is fine i'm glad that there are look they don't need my recommendation they're doing just fine and many people love them very much with its almost cult-like um devotion i would say uh but they're i i don't i think they're bad i think they're bad movies um the thing i liked at the end of missing link was when emma thompson said the people we don't want here are leaving (laughs) (laughs) make them stay that's my favorite part of the whole sequence okay that was great I love that. Um, this is something that actually has come up in a in a few Leica films now. This concept of um, entrenched power structures, trying sure. to keep down progress, and people mm-hmm. finding like they're calling through, sort of like being true to their own selves. Mm. I will say that I think it's int- a whole lot of the people in, that I that I talk to at that studio are Brits. Like there is a very British presence there oh that Um, explains a lot about this movie because i was like there was a part of me that was like it's weird for an american movie to be like fucking flipping off the british this much (laughs) (laughs) yeah no butler himself and many of the technicians that i the like the the department heads like there was a lot of a lot of british accents that day and i was and it was just sort of striking just because like how'd you all end up here in portland you know and they they kind of walked me through it and it made sense but um but yeah so i think a lot of that comes from that british sensibility in terms of what you're talking about about how there's a little bit of sense of like power structure and class and all of that sort of at least somewhere present in a lot of the work yeah because i mean you know you look at cheese bridge and that's all you know i mean what it's jared harris isn't it it's like a bunch of people literally with british accents yeah 
who are trying to keep down the underclass and everything. That one um, feels very British, yeah. That, that, that felt like Aardman to me, actually. Yeah. That box trolls feels especially like Aardman to me. And then uh, Paranorman, you know, the, it basically is taken to task, like, the puritanical uh, triumvirate that, like, murdered this girl for being a witch. Sure. And uh, dragging their the sins of the fathers up through the degenerations into this new town where Norman is ostracized. And um, I guess, I don't know, the Moon King might lean into that too, but it's a little it's a little weaker there. I think that one is much more about, like, family uh, in the same way that Coraline is. But yeah, I mean, like, I sure. saw this and I was like, oh, so we're, we're back in, we're <laughs> back in anti-imperials. Like, that's awesome. This is great. Yeah, yeah. I was curious what everybody thought of uh, Adelina too, because I I thought if I'm talking about undercooked characters, I no, think she was the she big one is for me. Definitely the 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 weakest link in terms of the writing. Um, I think I think the so, weakest uh, link. <laughs> they, oh wow, Susan might be the missing link, but Adelina is the uh, weakest. Link. God damn it! Can we do that part over again? Can we just start over? Is it too late to start over? Yeah, we could we could totally start um, over. Uh, do you okay. remember everything we said about Cheers though? Because that's got to yep. stay in. Yeah, yeah, all of it. All okay, of great. Um, no, that's that. Sometimes yeah, she's you know, there's 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 not a lot there. Um, it's you know, it's a buddy movie. It's it's sure. the, it's the two of them, and and um, I, I I welcome them in the many more feature films that they will make, um, exploring some some richer and more complex female characters. I yeah, um, have they ever set up a franchise? I, I don't think they ever have. Even this isn't quite setting up a franchise. No, like, but it's, like Atlantis. Well, like, yeah, I mean, like, very clearly this movie could be a franchise, but it's not the same thing as, like, turning over a card and seeing the Joker. Like, it's not telling you come back for the next one because it's going to be fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of, like, a children's film that does that. <laughs> there must be one. Yeah, how to dragon. Does that does that stupid koala at the end of Sing say like, now we're gonna take on Broadway? <laughs> God, he doesn't. But that, that he uh, that, he might as well have. He might as well have. Now I'm gonna I'm just oh, gonna God, twist the knife in my soul even more. I'm gonna figure out how much Sing made. Oh God! Sing's on Netflix, no, don't Brian. turn back. Turn back. <laughs> don't look. Don't look. This is not going to turn out well for you. Turn oh, back. It's too late. Close I looked, I looked it up. Yeah. Lifetime gross, $270 million. <laughs> <laughs> and what did it cost? Like five? That is domestic. It cost $75 million. Ah, Damn. Okay. Never. Its worldwide Jesus. total was $634 <laughs> million. I assumed the first number was the worldwide number. It's this is crazy. It's opening weekend was 35 million. Ah, damn it. How did it multiply that fucking well? <laughs> this movie right. is terrible. No, it's real bad. Yeah, it's it's yeah. God, Taron Egerton singing uh what uh, uh, Elton John. If that makes sing 270 million, just wait for Rocket Man. How do you remember this? How do you remember oh, that's, individual parts oh, of Sing? Oh, oh, that's my daughter's favorite part. That's my daughter's oh. favorite part. She would make me run that part back. The only so good thing about that is that he is legitimately great at singing that song. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
No, uh, sure. Her favorite part for that and Scarlett Johansson singing uh, the original composition. Oof. Uh, yeah, yeah. Which is still bad. better than 90% of uh, Avril Lavigne's stuff. That's true. Well, I wrote about this. I don't remember either of those people being in this. Wait, Reese Witherspoon singing uh, Taylor Swift is uh, ungodly. That's not good. No. That. Seth MacFarlane is that fucking idiot mouse. Oh, the mouse. I remember that. That was very annoying. See, he's a tough guy, mouse. See, he's a gambler <laughs> and he's a tough guy. And he sings lounge tones. Oh, Hi-o. Seth MacFarlane does a, a smart mouth guy with poor judgment with a vaguely Bostonian accent? Really? Who sings lounge songs? Yeah. Sings lounge Can song. That's never happened before at all. Imagine such a thing. God, I hate that movie so much. Um really have spent more time on here talking about the terrible family movies that missing link is better than than talking about missing link it's and i'm fine with that i'm like you should vote it should be a resistance vote when you buy your ticket to missing link i don't even care if you go in just cast your vote with your money because uh because i we 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 have these children of ours they're going to want to watch more of this garbage and we really need you on our side on the fight uh podcast listener (laughs) <laughs> yes, please, please do. Even if you're single, get a group of 20 friends together, you know, go see Missing Link and say, I'm doing this for all the parents who don't want to be stuck choosing between Blue Sky and Illumination. Here's what you do. Here, here's what you do. You get the group together. I'm with you. I'm going to go a little further than this. You get the group together. Say your group's like, hey, let's go see that three hour fucking Marvel movie. You're like, hey, great. Let's do it. Here's what you do instead. That movie's going to make plenty of money on its own. It doesn't need the, your help. You buy 20 tickets to Missing Link and then just go into the Avengers. They're not paying attention. They don't <laughs> fucking care. Just go into the Marvel movie that's going to, you know, double most countries' gross <laughs> national product. But buy some Missing Link tickets on your way in. That's yeah, Everybody wins. Everybody you can legitimately wins. see it's, Missing Link twice in the time it takes you to see Endgame. That's true, too. The, the math checks out. Here's another terrible thing. Storks only made $72 million. Storks is not good, Brian. Storks is a great movie, Michael. No, it's not. <laughs> Jason, have you seen Storks? I have not. I've, I'm agnostic on Storks. I have no opinion. I've not seen it. Oh, you okay. Yeah, that's why you're agnostic. Yep. You don't even know if it exists or not. You I'm don't not discount sure. the fact is, that it could exist. This might be the first I've ever heard of it. I'm not going to lie to you. Good way to live. Storks? <laughs> Michael... I think you you said you were thrown off by the like cartoonish freneticism of Storks. Yeah, it gave me a headache. <laughs> That's fine. Storks is hilarious, and it it's, it's okay. This is not. another. Wait, I, this is Nicol- This is Nicholas Stoller. This yeah. is good. I no, I I like Nicholas Stoller. It's not good, Jason. I'm it's so good, Jason. Don't listen Stork- to Michael. It's so good. Storks is great. Storks is I'm another gonna- movie that almost brings me to tears. <laughs> I'm looking at IMDb and the release date was roughly one month after the birth of my second daughter. And that's why I haven't seen or heard of Storks. It was on HBO and I was like, huh, Storks. A friend of mine once said something nice about this. <laughs> and uh, so I'll check it out. And I watched it. Endorsement. Well, and, but that was the thing is like, I had, I remember seeing like a trailer for it and like a poster. And I was like, I don't this doesn't seem like it has a story at all. But then I watched it. And at the end, I was like sitting there with my daughter in my lap. This is probably like a year ago. And I was just, I, I was ugly crying. I was openly weeping. Oh, wow. In fact, you, can I five, tell you? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, you follow me on Twitter now, so you can go and see this five days ago. I tweeted <laughs> out nearly spontaneously burst into tears at the mere recollection of the ending of Storks. How are y'all doing? 
I never got there. <laughs> this has a good cast. You got Key and Peeler in there. You got yep. your Trejo. You got uh, you got Samberg, Aquafina. Ooh, ooh. Are you ready? Are you ready for some circularity? Yes. Kelsey Grammer. Yeah. <laughs> he is. Yeah. He is so good in Storks. Love that guy. Um. Th- okay, this is. I can bring us back to Missing Link. Uh, Storks stealthily. See, I, I thought I was bringing us back to Cheers, which is where we wanted to go out on. I thought I was like wrapping up the package here. Here's another way that I think, in some ways, Leica will never be as successful as Pixar, but is slightly a cut above Pixar and definitely like Disney. Leica is one of the most quietly and unshowily progressive companies or like studios working in Hollywood today. I'll go along with that. I mean, they're you're, they're in Portland. You can't help but be. <laughs> but like, I, and the w- the way that this ties into Storks is that Storks has oh, an ending, okay. wherein it shows people with babies, and there are single people, and there are mixed race people, and there are uh, homosexual couples, and you're watching it, and the movie has built up to this point, and I feel like even if you were the type of asshole who has an issue with like homosexual marriage or something. You see that you're still crying. Like it makes you understand the importance of like children to these people, like these people being the world at large in the movie. And then this movie, you know, Link is like, I'm going to choose the name Susan. And uh, his uh, Lionel Frost is like, that's a girl's name. And he's like, yeah, I know I'm taking it. And that's, <laughs> and that's, that's the entire conversation. Yep. Yeah. And then he just is like, okay, that it suits you because it's a name that means something to you and it works. And like, you know, uh, Paranorman has, the greatest moment of like progressive inclusion and also like bitingly funny, just undercutting of a character ever where she's like, Oh, like we can see the movies. He's like, Oh yeah. My boyfriend loves chick flicks. (laughs) (laughs) Just so good. It's like a great moment. Ah, amazing. Anyway. And this movie, like I said, has the whole Susan thing. And then just the general statement about like, look, if society is not going to make a place for you, you gotta you gotta make a place yep. for yourself yeah. in it and uh fuck society, man. Because society can yep. suck. Society its purpose is to perpetuate itself. And <laughs> and good fart jokes as well. Yep. <laughs> Look, if you're living in a society with bad fart jokes, you gotta get out of that society. Yep. This is true. What's everyone's favorite part in this movie? <laughs> like uh, and it could I, be a I scene, like it could be a fight. character, it could be a it's the bar fight and where he punches the moose. Like that was that was the sight gag that most got me. That was a good one. I uh, um, I, I mentioned mine. Mine is the the, the their little uh, the Susan scene. The heart that really like sweet heartfelt scene on the as as they're on the boat out on the deck of the boat and and really sort of the two of them connecting for the first time. I just thought it was lovely. I was that's the moment where I was like, okay, I'm in. You know. Yeah, I um I, I agree with both of those. Those are both great. Um I don't know, there was something about the the boat action scene where I was just like, this is a whole other level. This uh, is like truly amazing. Yeah. It's great how it escalates too, just uh, with you know, starting with that good dialogue scene where you know you've you've obviously seen a boat scene where things move from one side of the room to the other, but there's mm-hmm. just a, a really nice rhythm to that. And then yeah. And then especially as Timothy Olyphant's character comes into it. Yeah, it's just, yeah, there's a real, 
you're right about those action sequences. They're, another, they're pretty incredible. Another great line in this movie, speaking of Timothy Oliphant, as a uh, Willard Stank. And again, the the you can feel the Britishness in like the naming cultures of these movies. Lord Piggott Dunsby. <laughs> <laughs> just so they're good. just like Lemuel Lint. Yes. Just, yeah. Um, Adelina Fortnite. Like, wow, that's a that's an awesome name. But uh, so the ice bridge is collapsing. Stank is there, but uh, Piggott Dunsby is dead. And, and Lionel Frost is like, you know, Piggott Dunsby is dead. Like, you don't have to do this anymore. And he's like, this isn't about the money. This is about like, what was it? It was like nonsensical, self-centered ego. <laughs> Just like the perfect encapsulation of why, like, after the main guy is dead in all these movies, it's like, uh, I was like a... You know, I was a hired hand. I was a thug, but like, I'm going to keep it up because uh, I just feel like I should. So let's have a slap fight, which goes on for a long time, <laughs> which I loved. As far as a, a gag, I already I think I mentioned it way earlier, but uh, where he's like loneliness, you know, it's like it's like gas, but sadder. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one liner. Uh, your utopia sucks. Yeah, <laughs> I need I need a gif of that immediately yes yeah this movie uh this movie is really good and um i uh i'm so sad that over the course of this episode i've box office mojoed a bunch of worse films what are you doing (laughs) yeah (laughs) this this way lies madness live in blissful ignorance (laughs) you know i should have but like even right now i'm just like don't google another one (laughs) but i'll probably do it yeah, I'll go on a you Twitter know, but, rant. But speaking of another, I, I I actually I don't know if it did well, but I feel like Lego Movie Two came and went really quickly, and I know it didn't obviously get the same reception as the first one, but I just found it fascinating because that was one that you know did seem to be a critical and a uh, box office hit, and this second one, I I don't know, maybe it was just the circles I was in, but I think um, no. I I think they they tried to turn it into a universe too quickly, uh, and with with limited Lego success. Batman Lego yeah. Batman I think is terrific, but like I don't know anybody. Ninjago or saw, I don't know anyone who even saw that one. Like I think that one was really like really we, we're already what what are we doing? <laughs> um, and really sort of diluted the brand, if I may use the 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 least likable way to put that. Um. So yeah, I and and also, you know, like one of the things that made the Lego movie exciting was that it didn't sound like it would like so many Miller and Lord projects, it sounded like it was going to be terrible. It was like sure. a terrible concept. <laughs> so everyone's just like shocked that it's great. Um and there was no shock like that on the second one cuz we had a uh, it it had a positive expectation to live up to. Yeah. Also, I think there was I think there was a part of it where people were like, "Oh, Lord and Miller aren't directing too, then I don't I don't really want." Totally. It. Totally. Yes. Um that movie made 105 million dollars domestic. So, still way more than Missing Link well. Yes, and 80 million foreign. Oof. It's a, uh, you know, you know, I just I'll keep my fingers crossed and in 2 years hopefully I'll I'll go to Missing Link's house and they will open the door with a shawl over their shoulders and they'll smile and yep. maybe they'll be a little pallid and maybe they'll be missing some teeth maybe they'll be shaking a little bit but you know hopefully they're still there 
And really, it will be a place where everybody knows your name. And they're, without fail, always glad you came. Absolutely. And the only problem you'll have is you won't know what to do with those tossed salad and scrambled eggs. Because they're calling again on my landline. <laughs> That's a callback to something we talked about before we even started recording. Oh, man. That's how deep this shit goes, baby. Okay. All right. Any final thoughts on Missing Link or the state of children's entertainment? Or not even children's entertainment, just animation entertainment in general? Uh, you mean like the Star War? No, no, no. You Hold said on. children's entertainment. That's why I'm... Oh, <laughs> sick Star Wars burn, baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, no, I'm I'm good. If you yeah, want to record like a, a postscript about that Star Wars trailer, I am willing to blow out my vocal cords even more. <clears throat> I just want to stop hating what studios are doing and... I, I don't know. It's well this is in just that a, case, other... you know, you got to get out there and you got to support fine original filmmaking like Sicario: Day of the Soldado. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say fine uh, podcasting about fine filmmaking, <laughs> like, like our episode on Sicario: Day of the Soldado. <laughs> I'm not on that one. <laughs> no, we couldn't even get you to come on and just like tell us why you walked out. We didn't even get to have a mother experience. But in that one, you walked out on the podcast and not the movie. <laughs> Never again. <laughs> Never again. All right. So yes. that is it for today. Um, this has been quite an episode. <laughs> Thank you for coming on, Jason. <laughs> hey, why not? Real Thank question you for me. you, Jason. Sure. Do you feel that this has been a productive use of your time? <laughs> mm, sure. Why not? No. Uh, Yes, I, I enjoyed this very much, frankly. Thank you. I, I sincerely mean it, and thank you for having me on. <laughs> I mean, I assume so, but, like, you know, it's been, like, an hour and a half since you, you followed me on Twitter. You may have already unfollowed <laughs> me by now, so. Just me and Sophia Coppola, man, just <laughs> mildly unfollowing. <laughs> Willy-nilly follow, unfollow. You could have just muted him. Jeez. <laughs> well, it was really weird because he sent me a screen cap of him unfollowing me. <laughs> He's like, I want to do it, and I want him to know I did it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so don't forget to go to patreon.com slash show to give us your money. Uh, don't forget to go to movie.com slash filmstage for your free 30-day trial of movie. Again, we will be talking about High Life very soon, and so in anticipation of that, you can watch Bastards. Her smell. Her smell. I'm saying it on this podcast. It's going to happen, Brian. I am trying to plug movie. Away. And you were trying to rile me up with some Alex Ross Perry nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch. You're not getting out of it. <laughs> Claire Denise, Bastards, and White Material are now on Mubi for when we talk about High Life. <laughs> Again, you can get a free 30-day trial by going to mubi.com slash filmstage. Yes, it is a complete, distinct possibility that I may be forced to see another Alex Ross Perry film. Because, I don't know, uh, I guess I wasn't angry enough about Piss Christ, and so God is torturing me. <laughs> this is my judgment and my damnation. Her Smell's one of my favorite films of the year. I'm just, just fucking, you know what? <laughs> yep. Did it you really like is. 
Did you like really other isn't. Alex Ross Perry, Jason? Because I've, I've heard this is an Enough, some, sometimes, sometimes not, varying degrees. It's it's certainly his best work. You know, that's the problem is I keep hearing that from people. But guess what? I heard that about everything. What? I heard that about the stupid one where the guy was the author. I heard about it about Queen of Earth. Listen up, Philip. Yeah, listen up, Philip. I kept wanting to call it um, Impelex, but that's his first movie. Anyway, Alex Ross Perry. No, a I great... Color Wheel is his first movie. No, I thought it was Impelex is his first All movie, right. and then the Color Wheel came after. All right, fine. <laughs> I am going. To, I'm going to look it up right now. I'm going to be no, so angry I, if I'm I right. Super because don't care. I super it is. <laughs> Impelex came out in 2009. This is a man whose films I have uniformly hated, and I know so much about him and his filmography. I did not see Golden Exits. Now, this is going to be the real test, is if we go and see Her Smell and we talk about it, will I see Golden Exits first? Just so that I can scream with utter completeness about how much I don't like all of his movies. Especially since you're going to go watch fucking Murder by Numbers tonight, so. (laughs) (laughs) Look, first of all, uh, Sandra Bullock is amazing. (laughs) It's got Ben Chaplin in it. Uh, who is great and uh, Michael Pitt just can't get enough of funny games huh no I can't um, right. what was I going to say I think we're done right we can just tell yeah. people where we can be found and we can leave yeah. and I can go watch Game of Thrones and then murder by numbers <laughs> <laughs> all set all, I, all you need Game of Thrones murder by numbers so uh, let us tell the fine people at home where we can be found between now and the next time that we shout obscenities at them because they're not watching the right movies. <laughs> Jason Bailey, as yep. our guest, would you like to go first? Sure. Um, you can find me on the Twitter. Uh, my handle is Jason-Bailey. Dash is spelled out. It's not the dash. I. It's so much more trouble than it's worth. There's some <laughs> jag... The guy who has just at Jason Bailey like hasn't tweeted since like 2012. It's Rude. really fuck. It's really annoying. Anyway, <laughs> Jason... Jason Dash Bailey, all all spelled out in words, uh, and you'll find you'll find my work there. All right, Michael's... and Cheers is on Netflix. It is, yeah. So is Frasier. Eh. Okay. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> All right, so uh, I'm. You could find me on Twitter at at Snide Owl, uh, and. I plugged it a bit ago, but it still seems like it's still in some theaters. And uh, Diane by Kent Jones, I I interviewed him for the film stage, and uh, I've been updating Letterbox a lot lately for some reason. So if you want some scrambled thoughts on random ass movies like Itchy the Killer, uh, you can follow me on Letterbox. All right. Um, I, too, have been super active on Letterboxd recently, trying to actually write stuff down and keep my diary. What's that word? Up to date? Current? Yeah, that's it. Current. So (laughs) check it out. Um, I can be found on every social media site at Brian J. Rowan. And uh, you can find my personal site, uh, brianjrowan.com. Of course, my writing also appears at filmstage.com, as well as every episode of this podcast. You can find there as well. So that is it. Uh, next week we will be talking about High Life, her smell, her smell Michael's dark life. incantations work. Uh, <laughs> if 
you were living in Chicago and smell burning sage, rosemary, and realize that some uh, homeless people on your block have disappeared, that's because Michael <laughs> Snydell is forming the dark right to have to make me watch an Alex Ross Perry film again. Anyway, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. And tune in next week. <laughs>